it's all about finding the passion project for you it's actually a quite tough task to find someone's passion and being an artist team developer is again was like a war in between me to find what's my true passion is so i have to you know address these steps how to choose your passion and how to make a product or a project that really resonates with your passion and you know not just because someone asks you to do it but because you want to do it That's Leah Thomas, founder of Hopscotch, an open source API request builder that has been growing exponentially since it started a little over 2 years ago. And this is Readme Podcast, a GitHub podcast that takes a peek behind the curtain at some of the most impactful open source projects and the developers who make them happen. I'm B Dougie aka Brian Douglas, and I'm Nerd Neha aka Neha Batra. Every episode Neha and I invite a maintainer or open source developer into our studio to explore the impact their work is making on the world around them. In this episode we speak with Leas who's based in Kerala, India and has been garnering contributors and recognition for his open source project Hopscotch. An artist at heart, Leas has always believed that beauty should be at the core of all that one does, whether it be programming or helping others. There's an art to code and he's tapped into that both through his work and also in building community around him. Hopscotch has won a number of awards and continues to inspire both Leas and its contributors. In this conversation, we spoke about the art of coding, the process of building community, and the path to finding one's passion. But first, as always, we asked Leas about his earliest memories of using a computer. Well, it's, you know, very old PC that my parents bought actually for my sister for her academic purpose, but I was so privileged to have access to it. And this has actually happened in my secondary studies. So, that's when I, you know, actually came up with web technologies and all so that's my first experience with programming and you know everything related to programming at this point though how old were you uh i would say i was somewhere around 13 i guess <laughs> okay yeah i mean that's that, that's amazing and sorry i'm, I'm going to ask the next question which is how old are you now because i'm trying to do the math because my first interaction was like way more naive this sort of rudimentary this looking at Expedia and looking up really cool things about countries. So, I guess my question to you right now is like how old are you now and uh what's the time distance? I'm actually 25 and uh okay. you know, I've been contributing to the CDS programming for the past 5 plus years only. Okay. That's actually like so early on that your familiarity with computers it looks like that initial curiosity took off immediately. Did you have other friends around who were like similarly curious that you were kind of exchanging information with or where was your connection? Actually no, I mean none of my friends are interested to the stuffs that I like <laughs> and especially with programming. I actually studied in very basic college and basic education system so most of our friends had many many other different interests but it's kind of hard to find someone who has same interest as much as you love the programming so yeah while leas may not have had many friends that were interested in programming when he went to university he started meeting peers who were That was very exciting and it became the gateway to his work in open source. Interestingly, there's this other side to Elias, his artistic one. I'm an artist, I'm a lefty. So, being a lefty is one of the unique things that's actually not common in India to being a lefty. So, I thought I would be an artist. I love to draw and design and paint. But 
if you think about you know being an artist for your career it's it's not a safe choice and i choose to do engineering only after one year sitting at my home you know learning all about the interesting textures and all and i keep on you know making projects which can be added to my portfolio so that i can ensure a pretty good job after i graduate so yeah that's a that's a very uncommon way to get into tech do you remember your first open source contribution you were saying that you learned more about the open source world when you went to college right yeah in in my summer for you in my college there was a system where students actually give feedbacks to their teachers based on their performance so my college too had a system but it was basically pen and paper at that point of the time so me along with a couple of my friends we decided to digitalize that part we really wanted the students to be able to give feedbacks to their faculties in a very easy way and me along with a couple of my friends made a app it allowed students to give feedbacks star ratings to their teachers and by the end of the day they get this report so that the higher officials can you know evaluate it and you know give comments from students to teachers anonymously so this particular project is actually my first ever open source contribution and this happened in 2015 when i actually joined my college by the time i graduate there had at least more than 10 colleges using the software that we made so yeah that was my first ever open source contribution I'm so curious. How did the professors receive that the first time they got that report card? Like, what was the reaction? Uh, so we literally made it so anonymous. Uh, you know, teachers can't track which students give what grade. So the previous process with pen and paper was like a tedious thing. Like uh, we had at least three thousand students studying in that college, and it's, it would take at least. two or three weeks to sort out the grading part for faculties once we introduced this system it was so easy like they can get the feedbacks from the whole 3000 students in a day so it literally helped them to take more classes but again kind of helped them to get much better quality feedbacks from the students and you know again it helped to perform better as teachers so yeah they were literally shocked because they might have never thought that we can pull that off with the help of open source and communities we were literally able to add couple more features from other students studying in other colleges and we could battle test the platform with lot of other students and colleges and universities so it really helped yeah uh I find that a fascinating project too as well cuz I I use something similar in the states called rate my professor and it also helped me through my college years to to pick the right professors make sure I'm getting the classes that I can learn from and then also you know you want to avoid the professors that give too many tests or you don't know, they don't provide the best experience for people who maybe have a life outside of school. I so. totally use that too. I I use it to also help me figure out where do you get the most learning? Like is it like TA sessions? Is it the actual class? Is it the book? And we had a lot of advice on those on ratemyprofessor.com around how you can get the most out of the class. If it's a required class and you have to take it, how are you going to get through it and make sure that you're using your time most wisely? So, that got me super through college for sure. The first time I met Lias was prior to our live stream on Twitch. Later we chatted about open source which helps folks find open source projects to contribute to. 
Leah spoke about his project, which is called Hopscotch, and how it solves a really niche problem for people who want to interface with APIs. I really wanted to know more. I'm actually one among the core contributors of the Hopscotch, and it literally started with a personal issue that I had in my first ever tech job. So just after my graduation, I actually joined a super early stage startup at my locality. It was actually a very fine day, very usual day at my workplace. And I was assigned to test a bunch of APIs to glue them with the front end part. So that was my assigned task. There were literally 100 plus endpoints for me to test and, you know, integrate with the front end. And the process was so tedious. I literally went on a hunt to find if there exists any, any tools which will automate that process for me. But sadly, I couldn't find one that suits my use case. On that very night itself, I decided to make an app which will allow me to test APIs directly from the browser window itself. And it literally took me like three to four hours to make the first ever MVP of Hopscotch. And yeah, it was a personal tool that I built for myself. I open sourced it just like all my other projects. And I actually went to sleep that day and I did a tweet about it. I also wrote a blog post about it on Devdo2 platform. And the next day when I woke up, I, I literally woke up to this hundred plus notifications from GitHub and Twitter. I mean, it, it was like a overnight feedback from the developer community. And there were many issues, there were many feature requests. And, you know, a lot of people started actually using it in, in their workplace. By the end of that first couple of weeks, we literally had thousand plus users using the first ever MVP. And uh, yeah, that's, that's how it all started. What was your first reaction when you woke up to see all of the responses, all of the issues that were being open? What was your first reaction? I was so shocked because Hopscotch is not actually my first ever open source project. You know, whenever I, I see a workflow which doesn't use my use case, especially in developer tools, I try to make it an alternative which suits my use case. And, you know, I, I usually open source every such tools. At that point of time, I had at least a dozen of open source project, but this somehow had the privilege to be, you know, shared by the engineers to their friends and all. So I was so shocked and happy to realize that there exists such a problem in the API development lifecycle. I made a solution which has literal use cases. So so thrilled and, you know, so pumped up to keep on contributing that. That's awesome. So I first ran into Hopscotch under a different name, which was Postwoman. So it changed names. I'm actually curious to hear the story behind the name change. Yeah, we, we actually started the project as Postwoman. It was like a mock-on name with another project. And on our first anniversary, so the project actually started in 2019. And on our first anniversary year, in 2013, we decided to rebrand the whole project to something unique just because we wanted to make sure that the popularity or the feedback that we are getting is not because of the similarity in the name, but, you know, we have to make sure there is actual value proposition going around. And we did that. I mean, the name Hostcoach is actually coined from the community as well. We rebranded the project 
on our anniversary and we have seen more than three times more engagement after rebranding the product. So, you know, we literally made sure that the feedback, the popularities is not something that came with the similarity with the name. There are some interesting threads when looking at Lewis's projects. One is his desire to create something beautiful that saves time. And the other is his commitment to making his projects look beautiful. I really love making art as much as I love designing user interfaces. So even though it's a simple applications like a color picker or, you know, something very utility functions, I always try to make it as beautiful as I can. And, you know, try to compete with myself to come up with a newer design or if it's a UI issue, I always experiment with a lot of stuff. Basically, art is an experiment. So every piece of code and every piece of art that I write is something, you know, always experimenting my understandings. And uh, I really believe there exists a correlation with being an artist and a programmer because Writing code is also something very artistic. What does beauty look like for you in an engineering system or something that you create? I'm actually a very enthusiastic advocate of minimalism. I really love minimalism concepts. And even if it's a UI, I don't like to clutter it with a lot of components. I am really a huge fan of minimalism. So being minimalist and being accessible is my way of beautiful UIs. So I used to work with a desktop team for GitHub, which is also an open source repository. And that is also something that that they have in common as a value. It's really interesting how when you try to get something that's like as simple as possible, you also inevitably make it as accessible as possible. The simplest concepts are the ones that people can onboard onto easily and are almost intuitive to understand and learn. And there's like a really nice win-win there, no matter where you're coming from and what your intention is. Couldn't agree more on that. Yeah. And honestly, I'm a hopscotch user too as well. So like I've leveraged it for quick examples to go show like on a stream or on stage. And it's not an easy problem to solve, especially like a lot of developer tools have weird dashboards and like drop downs. And now I'm actually realizing how easy it was for me to drop in a webhook URL and see what the webhook sent back to me or as like an API endpoint. And I, I definitely use some other tools where I just sort of took way more steps to figure out what's what's the sort of hello world, what's the sort of I have a URL, how do I get data back? And I think you, you actually do a, a really good approach in that. So congrats. Thank you. I mean, if you check out Hopscotch, you can actually see we don't have a landing page at all. I was so keen on, you know, we have to let the user use the application within the first five seconds. And I intentionally removed the landing page because most of our users are pretty much opinionated about the application and they might have at least some background dealing with API. So we really want to make it as easy as possible to get started with. And obviously we have a documentation site if the user want to know more about. Yeah, thank you for that. Hopscotch gained popularity quickly and fluidly. Leas decided to make it his full-time job with the hopes of building a robust business around it. It's remarkable for a project to have explosive growth, with that said, there's a general assumption that open source isn't a viable way to make money. What was the light bulb for Leas to make the jump six months ago into doing this full time? When I started working on Hopscotch and I started getting sponsorship from many amazing people, like CEO of GitHub is sponsoring us, 
co-founders of Ionic sponsoring us. I mean, it was like a bunch of people, like 10 to 12 of them, but they are very famous and amazing people in the tech industry. So I literally had chats with them, you know, asking for mentorship on what would be if I switch from my day job to work on Hopscotch full time. And if I have enough time to make an actual product out of it, and if it has a monetization plan, it would be a no-brainer for me. And every mentor that I, I have consulted with, they give me a green signal on that. And always the open source community, their feedbacks, it has been there with me. So these two things motivated me to switch from my day job to work on Hopscotch full time. I think this is also bringing up something that I think we don't talk about enough, which is that, you know, along the journey of any open source project and any individual who's working on it, there is behind them a fleet of mentors who like help them chart that path that they want to do. What kind of help have you gotten from mentors, especially before the point that you're ready to monetize it in order to help you understand the open source world and get the most out of it? I used to ask very simple questions like if I get to 500,000 uses in the next six months, do I even have a market? product market fit, or can I make sure that users are making use of it? You know, these kind of silly questions again. But the conversations really had very in-depth questions as well. Like, will I be able to find contributors in a serious way that I can make sure the project will continue to exist at least for the next couple of months? Or, you know, if they have enough motivation to work on it without getting paid, maybe for first couple of months, I have to make sure that the communities has enough motivation to contribute to the project. And for these experts, I, I always ask for my mentors who are, you know, pioneers in open source. And they always give me really good hope. And that resettled me to switch from my day job to work on Hopscotch full time. You mentioned wanting to know how you could get your contributors to be people who are like helping contribute continuously and how you can create that environment. So what do you think brings your contributors back and keeps them in that community and keeps it growing? Well, we actually did some, I mean, we intentionally did some things which cultivates this contribution very easily. Like if someone wants to contribute to Hopscotch, we made it really, really simple to make the first contribution as easy as possible. And it can be like as easy as translating the software to their own favorite language or, you know, fixing some typos or, you know, writing the documentation. We really made it very easy for anyone to make the first contribution. But again, there are some intentional things that we did out of which the most important one is if someone wants to, you know, introduce a feature, we actually created groups of contributors from which if someone would love to make the UI, they can do that and, you know, pass the same feature request to someone else who actually writes to write test rather than design the UIs. So they can contribute to the same feature request in what they are expert of. So at the end of the week or, you know, after some period, they all contribute to a same particular feature and it really came out very beautifully and it managed to land on the production. So we made it really simple for anyone to make the first contribution. Because of the ease of contributing to Hopscotch, contributors keep coming back and the community is growing. As a maintainer, managing time can be really tough and Leah continues to navigate this part of it. 
time management is a is a very tricky part being an open source maintainer because the entire contributors actually are from different time zones like uh, i live in a time zone my partner lives in another time zone and the communications are mostly asynchronous almost every time we have public channels in discord and in telegram so whenever someone raises an issue the first maintainer or contributor who actually so that issue in the first place responds to it as soon as possible so we don't have a waiting period of like 6 to 8 hours for the core team to see that issue and give a response back to the community our entire contributors basically lives in different time zones and whenever someone sees an issue or or a feature request raised in our github page we immediately respond to it we welcome the user to use any of our public channels and interact with them and you know take the conversation forward so living in multiple time zones really helped us to respond to issues pretty quicker this is something i i really recommend for all open source project maintainers to do it I think one of the beauties of being able to have open source support across multiple time zones is the fact that you will go to sleep and you'll wake up and you might wake up to an entirely different world like almost every day, right? So what do you check up on when you wake up in the morning or when you're starting to work on Hopscotch? So I have automated most of the steps which are pretty important regarding the repository like uh, if someone reports a bug or a critical issue with the repo I get notifications in our Slack channel because we made to do that. So that will be the first thing in my routines to check if there is any new bugs or any critical issues that affecting the users. So Hopscotch we have more than 20,000 plus monthly recurring users at this point. And if some critical issues existing, I will be fixing that at first. and you know checking up the other issues it might be a feature request or so or you know some doubts which user has asked on our public channels i will spend time to fix that and we will start with the current cycles in our roadmap and it reaches to the production after a couple of weeks that's the current routine i'd love to hear more about hopscotch but i think we've talked a lot about the story around it What's the elevated pitch for Hopscotch and what sort of features are included in it? So Hopscotch at the moment really focuses on API testing platform. It's a it's a automated test, write scripts and all. But eventually we will be touching almost every development life cycle of APIs. So that actually begins from when engineers literally start to think about making an API, its design, its architecture, its scalability and all. But not just that. after designing it comes the development part and then only it's the testing part so eventually as per our current roadmap we will be having features that will you know make the entire api development life cycle easier for engineers so yeah we have exciting features that would contribute to the solution and uh, yeah that's about it <laughs> Excellent. I love that plan and I love the ecosystem you're trying to improve. API testing is not an easy problem and I I love that y'all are going to make it easier. And as part of that, right? So you've gotten to where you are now. What's next? What's like the next problem that you're like interested in solving with Hopscotch? We we really focus on the second phase of Hopscotch in 
in two areas. One is Hopscotch for enterprise organizations. It used to be an indie tool for individual users or you know small scale startups, but but we really want to scale things up and you know make an instance of Hopscotch which are enterprise ready and available for enterprise organizations. So Hopscotch for enterprise is one of the most important things that we are developing at, at the moment and uh, you know it, it can be deployed in in couple of months so we are really focusing on that part but at the same time we have a very active open source aspect to the product which why we'll be also focusing on on a self-hostable host course instance which will give the 100 percentage ownership of the platform to individuals or teams or you know small scale startups because at Hopscotch, we are dealing with very sensitive data. And if you don't have 100% control over it, there are chances for, you know, being abused by, by the data because we are dealing with API tokens and, you know, they, they are very sensitive. So the self-hostable version, which will have a lot of features and it can be hosted under the company's domain or, you know, totally within the organization and they can own 100 percentage data within the organization so the self-host and the hopes coach for enterprise are the two main things that we are working on on our future plans awesome might feel non sequitur but i want to actually touch back on the original part of this conversation when you mentioned you had got access to your sister's computer now we're looking at Hopscotch is now a project has contributors. I saw actually from Max Stoiper, who um, very prominent open source developer, got started when he was 16, worked on a bunch of companies that you've heard of. One thing he had mentioned is when his project took off and got tons of stars, his dad <laughs> asked, are you famous yet? And I'm curious, like, what do your parents think and your sister think about where you are today? They are very proud of my growth because, you know, Last week, I was announced as one of the recipients of GitHub Open Source Grants. And it literally came in newspapers and also they saw that news and they are very proud of what I have achieved. But it's something that they really wanted me to do it. So just happy about it. That's awesome. And are your parents involved in engineering or anything like that? Or did your sister get an engineering uh, No, no, no. I mean, my, my parents don't don't have any clue about engineering and the stuff that I do. They're just happy for my work and, you know, being a respected profession. So they are not dealing with engineering at all. Excellent. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You have the support of your family too as well. Again, congratulations on the GitHub grant and the future open source work that you'll be doing. I also think there's so many of us who have parents who are like proud of us, but they actually don't understand exactly what it is. So they're like, cool, this sounds like a big milestone. Are we celebrating? And you're like, yes, we're celebrating. And so it sounds like that's more similar. But is there any like values or any principles that your parents instilled that you use today? Yes. I mean, we, we actually came from a very middle class family and they always say that you have to look at your footprints and, you know, you have to be thankful for the achievements that you have done. It's not just because of your effort, you are in a such place. It's, it's also because the prayers, some things that others might have put off so that I can have that in my life. So just being grateful for what I have done and, you know, being thankful for the presence that I have received. This is something my parents always tell about me. <laughs> 
Well, that's definitely a, a community-minded approach, right? So being able to work with the open source community and having that mentality, I feel like those are so complementary with each other. Yeah, and, and open source it is, honestly, it's about the footprints that you impact in community. Because like, if you weren't making space for contributors to come and join you along this path, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about hopscotch. So like taking a look at your footprints, but also the footprints that you're also guiding is a kind of like a really nice way to, to kind of think about this entire story and open source in general. Yes, those footprints are key, and we leave footprints in all kinds of ways. Lee's is in the process of writing a book, one of the greatest footprints you can leave behind. We couldn't miss the opportunity to ask him what readers can expect. It's all about finding the passion project for you. It's actually a quite tough task to find someone's passion. And being an artist, team developer, it's again was like a war in between me to find what's my true passion is. Switching careers is again one of the tough things that I have been seeing in the tech industry. So I have to, you know, address these stuffs, how to choose your passion and how to make a product or, or a project that really resonates with your passion. And, you know, not just because someone asks you to do it, but because you want to do it. So it's the book is about, you know, finding your passion and how to excel in it. It's a smaller book. Being based in India and now in Kerala, what's your connection with the open source community locally? And could you give us a picture of kind of like what that open source community looks like in Kerala and in South India or in India compared to what you're observing otherwise? So I have been trying really hard to get the open source culture as spread as possible. I'm really grateful to MV Karan from GitHub India providing all the resources so that I can communicate with the college students here in Kerala and, you know, especially all over from India. And, you know, starting up with events and community projects that literally takes students, especially college students, to start contributing to open source. So, we have a lot of plans regarding that. We have been organizing a lot of events that encourages students to start contributing to open source. But it's an ongoing process. It's something that requires a lot of time and effort. And, you know, a lot of effort from the entire society as well. So we are working on it. Yeah. What parts are easy about it? Like, I think that there are some values that are like easy and resonate with people. What parts of it are like particularly easy and what parts are particularly hard about that? Getting started with open source is pretty easy nowadays. Now we have, you know, platforms like GitHub and all, which allows to do it as easy as possible. But finding the motivation to continue contributing to open source is a very tough task. It's a newbie's concerns because at first I did not get this 31,000 plus GitHub stars or this very good reception on working in open source project. But finding that that motivation, which actually comes from within you, is what that really helps to cultivate that open source contributing culture. And that's the hardest part. But once you are convinced the reset will come after getting a maturity period with your open source project, if you keep on contributing to it and staying on track is one thing that I really encourage the newcomers to open source project to do it. Regardless of what we do, whether it's making art or writing code, we're all wanting to tap into what moves us, what motivates us to continue doing what we're doing. Discovering that passion can be hard, but it sounds like Leas is on the right track to doing that. Here's some advice on just that. 
I would say finding an activity which actually comes from within your heart and being able to do that, being lucky to do that is what that actually resonates with your passion. And to do some activities such as that, it really needs a lot of motivation. I mean, I would say self-motivation from your end. And if you have that, no one can stop you. And if you give it enough time, it will get you to places. I mean, it can be contributing to open source. It can be making an app or it can be making art pieces or writing. But if you give it enough time and if you love every second of it, eventually you will reach on top of the world. I've seen this quote before that you've said, which is have a vision and everything is possible. Like, what's your vision right now that you're working towards? Well, I I would say helping others is my vision. It's not something very, very specific about making software products, but also being a volunteer to some good cause or helping someone relieve their depression by making arts. So as an all, Helping someone is without expecting anything in return is is my vision. I feel like that's a good ending point for us, huh? I just wanted to thank you so much. I feel like I've learned so much about you and about the project, but also you've invigorated my spirit around having this community-based approach and, and seeing the beauty and the minimalism and kind of almost just going with the flow on, you never know what's going to be really popular and what's not. But once you have an in and you have the ability to create something bigger to solve people's problems, to go with it. And so I'm going to be taking that with me for my future um, and, and look for those opportunities as well. So thank Thank you so much. Yes, thanks, Leas. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, it's been a great opportunity for me. It was great to speak with Leas Thomas and have him on the Readme podcast. To learn more about Leas and his work, please visit leasthomas.web.app. That's L-I-Y-A-S thomas.web.app. I am Brian Douglas, a.k.a. B. Dougie. And I'm Neha Batra, a.k.a. Nerd Neha. The Readme podcast is a GitHub podcast that dives into the challenges our guests faced and how they overcame those hurdles. In sharing these stories, we hope to provide a spotlight on what you don't always see in the lines of code and what it took to build the technology that inspires us all. It's also been great spending time with you. The Readme podcast is part of the Readme project at GitHub, a space that amplifies the voices of the developer community, the maintainers, leaders, and the teams whose contributions move the world forward every day. Visit github.com slash readme to learn more. Our theme music has been produced on GitHub by Dan Gorelick with title cycles. Additional music from Blue Dot Sessions. The Readme podcast is produced by Soundbank Public for GitHub. Please subscribe, share, and follow GitHub on Twitter for updates on this podcast and all things GitHub. Thanks for listening.